Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. Your co-host of Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. And on the phone with us today is Forrester VP and Principal Analyst Toma Husan. He's here to discuss the biggest takeaways from Mobile World Congress 2019. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you. Hi. So why don't we start with what are the big ideas that came out of MWC this year? Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with the events theme. Uh, This year it was intelligent connectivity. (laughs) So this theme captured well what happened in the show and what's happening in the market because it was a lot about the evolution of uh, networks, about 5G and the next generation of connectivity and the new use cases it will enable, uh, because mobile will, at the end of today, activate lots of emerging technologies. There were lots of discussions around, uh, you know, adjacent technologies, augmented reality, conversational tech, uh, AI, and, and so on. So uh, that was probably the bigger theme of the event. One of the things that came out of it was this idea that mobile has not and may not fully realize its its fairly aggressive goals of being mobile first or mobile only, that there's a more prudent or pragmatic version of mobile. Yeah, well, I I think there was before the show and still after the show this idea that there is a lack of innovation in in mobile. Um, And because, you know, if you look at smartphone sales, for example, last year they have declined. And and so there's this idea that, you know, it's, we've reached somehow a saturation point and that, no, we've got to move into something else. But uh, at the end of the day, I think many brands still haven't really made the most of mobile. They still think of mobile as a channel or a media instead of thinking of it as, um, at the end of the day, uh, a personal experience hub and the ability to activate contextual marketing at scale. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'd say there is still a mismatch between uh, how brands think of mobile and the opportunities ahead of us with mobile and, and the fact that mobile will continue to activate many adjacent technologies and that there is still, uh, contrary to what's being said here and there, a lot of innovation in, 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 the, in the mobile and the smartphone space. Meaning brands today are saying, hey, we've checked the mobile box We're done with that and not thinking of it in terms of, as you say, activating or enabling things like augmented reality or Alexa, those conversational technologies. Yeah, and, and even, even you know, without thinking of, you know, uh, augmented reality and other, you know, cool technologies, just fixing the basics, like, to your point, they think because they have a mobile app or a progressive web app or an instant app or what have you, they've ticked the box. But at the end of the day, they think content. They don't really think context. They don't really use mobile to transform offline experiences, to invent new business models, and, and to really use the mobile data to activate uh, you know, uh, campaigns at scale and have a, a broader perspective on, on mobile to, to get better insights on consumers, on their you know, their whereabouts, their, uh, and, and, and use this data to improve marketing on other channels. Yeah, it strikes me that if you look at the way people look at CX, sort of look at the lifestyle first 
and then try to find different ways of adding value to the life that people live already. The dream of Alexa is that it's going to be in your home and it's going to be your personal agent, your intelligent agent. That same thought process hasn't fully gone into the mobile universe. There's Bixby and other types of things, but it doesn't really serve that same purpose of lifestyle or human being first, which I think to your point, Toma, would allow for different forms of innovation to take place, breaking old business models, creating new business models, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at the stats, I mean, don't get me wrong, the smart home speaker is exploding. No doubt about this, the category is growing fast. But if you look at usage, uh, consumers today are more likely to use voice assistants like Alexa or Google Assistant on a smartphone than on a smart home speaker. Um, you know, uh, Amazon referred not that long ago to 100 million plus Alexa connected devices, uh, while Google claims that its Google Assistant is available on more than 1 billion devices simply because there is a huge install base of smartphones out there if you look at it from a global picture. And, and that's really what, what Mobile World Congress is all about. This is really a global event. And, and when you're there, you realize that the potential of, of mobile uh, in, 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 in many emerging countries and how it is changing the game, we're leapfrogging directly to mobile. Your Google example is interesting because essentially by playing to its installed base, it has created the potential for, but not the usage of or creating value from that same capability. Is that the gap? Meaning that technology is present but its true value is not fully realized or people don't know how to use it or the value is just not good enough yet? Well, I think it's mostly a, a question of, of context. So obviously when you're at home or in a car, it, it makes you know a lot of sense to hear your voice to activate experiences. While when you're on the go, there might be you know different different things preventing you to use voice, but there's still a massive usage of this assistance on smartphones. I think smartphones will still you know uh, enable this continuity and persistence of experiences between the different connected environments, between your connected car, your connected home, your connected workplace. Um, and that's really the one thing that will continue at least for, you know, a couple more years to connect the dots, uh, even though we see more and more uh, sensors exploding away from smartphones, or even if you look at voice, voice is simply moving away from smartphones and starts being embedded in, in the environment in, around us and smart home speakers and, and cars and, and, and in different objects. In our 2019 predictions, we pointed in the Internet of Things market that B2B may emerge at a faster clip than B2C, which surprised people because most people think of the B2C use cases. Is that the same in mobile where you see part of this dynamic is that the consumer market has gone to a level of saturation to your point, but maybe in the B2B space, if you go to healthcare and other types of things, some of those applications which may have a limited overall um, rollout, nonetheless, are, are big inventions for mobile. How, how, do you, how do you see the B2B side of this? Uh, I think there are lots of opportunities in the B2B space. Um, if you look on 5G, because it was a big theme at the event, or even if you look at augmented reality, there are a lot more opportunities in the B2B space, in the industrial space first. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think it's somehow... To, would say B2C was kind of the the 
the the earthquake and, and B2B is the, the tsunami that follows. Well, how about we go into some of the hyped tech at Mobile World Congress? You had mentioned 5G, Tomas. So was there a rollout there? What happened around 5G at Mobile World Congress that was making a splash? Um, well, 5G was, uh, I mean, it's been around for some time and was already presented last year and the year before, but I think we, we've reached the, the maximum hype for, for 5G this year, uh, simply because most uh, network equipment providers, most, uh, you know, telecom uh, operators, most uh, smartphone brands were pitching 5G networks and smartphones. Um, so it's it's to me it's still it's still very early days in the sense that uh, it's it's pretty much like we are in 2002 and and you know and and 3G is going to be launched uh, the year after so we are we are a year before more you know commercial rollouts and if you step back it took at least five to seven years for 5G to reach uh, critical mass among consumers. Same thing for 4G. Uh, and, and so it's going to start, to my point earlier, with, uh, you know, a, a B2B environment. Uh, it's definitely going to be a key technology in the sense that it's going to be the, the, the backbone for uh, – the the intelligent economy for the, the connected infrastructure of you know autonomous vehicles and a lot more uh, use cases remote healthcare and so on. Uh, but in terms of consumer adoption, there are a number of things preventing this from happening before uh, at scale uh, before you know a couple more years. And what are those roadblocks? Well, uh, it's. Uh, you need to roll out the infrastructure, you need to roll out the network, and it takes a bit of time. You need to have the the, the frequency, so there is need to do some spectrum allocation. And in some, in some regions of the world, uh, it, it is a bit complex because there is, uh, you know, significant regulatory, um, there are significant regulatory issues. If you look at Europe, for example, that the spectrum is being allocated at a country by country level, and it's only been allocated in Italy for now and in Switzerland. So you can imagine that, you know, even if you've got the infrastructure in place, you need to have the the you know the, the 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 spectrum allocation you need to have the handsets mm-hmm. uh, and the first 5G handsets were announced uh, Samsung first right before uh, Mobile World Congress uh, and then Huawei and a few others have announced the first 5G smartphones uh, so it's kind of not saying it's chicken and egg but it it takes a bit of you know of time to to have all the ingredients together uh, and so it's 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 gonna start happening in the next couple of, of of months, but it's not really gonna scale before a couple more years, in my opinion. So I think it's fair to say that that governments, specifically cities, have a higher stake in five G than they did with four G, because five G is going to enable sort of the vehicle to to infrastructure communications or to, to support self driving cars. So where are where are cities in taking us the steps now? either to influence or make policy or whatever they need to do so that they are steps ahead of um, the 5G rollout? 
Well, yes, you're absolutely right. I, I think it is uh, a critical for economies, and 5G is, is going to have an impact way beyond the telecom space. It's going to enable, it's going to give a competitive advantage to smart cities and to countries. Uh, and so some some countries are ahead of the curve. If you look at some Asian countries, uh, South Korea, Japan, China, the U.S., uh, I would say, uh, as well. Uh, and, and that's the reason why there have been some uh, some tension around the security of, of these networks and some geopolitical tensions between, for example, the U.S. and China, because at the end of the day, it is really the uh, the, the, the backbone of the connected economy and, and what's to come in the coming years. And, and governments don't want to the, the miss that out. So even if it's early days from a consumer standpoint, uh, it's going to give a competitive advantage to, to, to the players and to the countries who will wrote this out uh, faster than others. Yeah, you do get a sense that at some point in time, there may be a thought process that says countries will want to invest in their own technology because 5G will have the potential to create so so much investment, so many jobs, and to your point of security is going to be the backbone of their economy. So it looks like there's going to be differently than before, much more of a consideration of where it's built, what company it is and where it's built. Yes, absolutely, and I think this is part of the the, the many discussions that you know took place uh, at, at Mobile World Congress. Because at the end of the day, it's it's about the data that transits through these networks, and so hence the, the questions around privacy and security and 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 the ability to access to to access to such sensitive data. Yeah, from one angle, GDPR makes common sense when you looked at the proliferation of data. I mean, it didn't make sense five or 10 years ago, but now it does because of the way data is managed by Facebook, Apple, and of course, all the different mobile points of engagement you have. In the same way, does 5G force the hand to relook at even new forms of privacy and security just because you're just in a very different world and the ties to the economic well-being of a company or country are so closely related to the technology. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it will definitely, um, you know, focus the attention a lot more uh, on, on this proliferation of data simply because 5G will connect uh, many, many different types of objects, many, uh, many sensors in a way that was not possible before. Um, uh, and it will create and will enable moving forward new new use cases. Um, so today, the ones that are mostly, you know, promoted by the different vendors is the ability to have sort of video streaming experiences and the sort of a, you know, Netflix-like experience where you can stream a movie in just a couple of seconds, have very immersive gaming experiences and so on. That's more on the consumer side of things. But at the end of the day, what, what feel 5G will do is that it, it will really connect the dots between the different uh, uh Parts of your of your connected life, um, and so it is. It is. It is in, in that sense. I, it will augment the, the 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 capabilities of the different players to leverage data. One of the other things that came out of Mobile World Congress was foldable phones. A few firms launched their foldable phones at the event. So. 
can you maybe walk us through what they are and what they do? And, you know, this isn't a flip phone, folks. This is something very different. Right. So right before uh, the opening of Mobile World Congress, uh, Samsung launched the Samsung Fold. So it's a foldable device that at the end of the day um, is sort of a new category in between a smartphone and a tablet. So you, you pretty much uh, you know, open the, 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 the smartphone and then you've got a, a, a second screen and a bigger screen. So it morphs your smartphone into, into a tablet. Um, and, and the idea is to really, um, you know, sort of reinvent the, the design of the, of the device. And, and based on your context, you, you decide uh, pretty much, uh, you know, what kind of screen you want to use. Um, Huawei with the Mate X uh, launched a couple of days later, and there were a couple more announcements from, from other smartphone brands. Uh, but these devices at this stage um, uh, are, are nothing. They're concepts because they have been. Uh, they are. They are going to be commercialized in a couple of weeks. But the price point is still, you know, quite expensive. We're talking roughly of a range of two thousand to two thousand and six hundred dollars. Uh, so needless to say, they are, they are going to be quite niche. Um, but the, 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 at the end of the day, the, the idea is to really redesign the smartphone and to create a new category, uh, some sort of a true phablet, if you wish. <laughs> is this signaling that the smartphone as a point of invention is over? No, I don't think so. I think it's really about um, new use cases. We talked about 5G and video streaming and the ability to watch a movie on your smartphone, which you know is something you can already do. But that's the kind of experiences that will be facilitated by these kind of foldable phones, the ability to have to really perform multitasking if you're heavy users segmenting your screen and different you know uh, parts. Um, and, and this is something that's been, you know, discussed for for some time. We we predicted that a, a couple of years ago, uh, and and it's it's uh, I think um, um, a, a new design and a sign that uh, the the. The use of smartphones will evolve over time uh, in the sense that um, with, we talked about the voice earlier and the fact that increasingly you're going to use voice to activate experiences uh, and you're going to let you, you're less likely to use your, your touch screen. And, you know, in a couple of years time, you, you probably use more voice to activate some experiences. So, so the role of the screen will, will evolve. Uh, and so, so is the, the design of of uh, of, of these devices, uh, but again, it's uh, it's it's still quite niche, and it will take a couple more years before it becomes a by default standard in in in, in smartphones. So, something that CMOS should be thinking about today, or three five years down the road, in terms of what these phones and the experiences that they can provide change the game for consumers. Well, I think in 2019, 2020, uh, it's 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 gonna you know remain niche. Uh, so heavy users and some consumers will will adopt them, but it's not gonna be mainstream anytime soon. I don't think it will necessarily change. I mean, it will 
enable brains to activate uh, new new experiences uh, and more you know video centric experiences, but it's not fundamentally going to change the game. Uh, to to the point we had at the beginning of this this discussion, they still have many more basics to fix to make the most of mobile, uh, and in particular this notion of context and contextual data, which is not yet used uh, and really leveraged by most CMOs. So we're going to turn our attention now to the HoloLens, which also was announced during Mobile World Congress. That's the name behind it. It's, it's So the Mi- Microsoft new mixed reality headsets, they launched the first version four years ago. And so at Mobile World Congress, they announced uh, a more powerful uh, and a cheaper mixed reality headset uh, with uh, better image definition, ability to interact with holograms, um, and, and new use cases for enterprises. Um, this is really more about a B2B use case at this stage. We're talking about $3,500 price point uh, with new use cases for, uh, for enterprises. So this tech is designed for a B2B audience. Can you maybe provide an example of what that means? Um, so, for example, it, it can be used by uh, field technicians or, you know, people on the ground in an industrial environment, in a plant, uh, to to really get access in real time to information and overlay of information to the, the physical environment that's around them. Uh, so, it's... Uh, that kind of industrial applications that will emerge first, but there are many, many uh, different kind of use cases depending on the industries, you know, whether you're looking at mining or you're looking at uh, healthcare or, um, you know, uh, uh, these kind of, of use cases. So if I add this all up, we went through foldable 5G and mixed reality, but they're all pointing three, five years out or further What's the commentary about the next two years? Well, I'd say there are still lots of innovation in other spaces we haven't necessarily discussed when it comes to mobile payments, when it comes to mobile wallets, to uh, mobile education, to mobile healthcare, to, to a number of, of, of new use cases that are already happening as we speak and do not necessarily require activation of these uh, you know, cool technologies. Uh, and if you look at you know, AR, for example, we just discussed mixed reality, but uh, at the end of the day, um, the, the, the vast majority of augmented reality experiences will happen through the lens of the smartphone, uh, so of the camera in the smartphone. So if you look at uh, what, uh, you know, Apple or Google offer with AR Kit and AR Core, uh, we're soon going to pass uh, the one billion, one billion uh, devices, I mean, smartphone uh, milestone uh, compatible with augmented reality. Uh, and we're talking of a platform play now that developers can use these platforms and a, a few others to build experiences on top of the smartphone. Uh, so uh, when we're starting to see this, there's lots of traction from, from, from brands, uh, you know, uh, trialing, experimenting, and launching new augmented reality apps. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, it's a matter of time before consumers uh, make them part of their daily experiences. And when you say consumers, how much of the generational question was at play at MWC? At like 50 and beyond, 
people are pretty productive on their mobile device at, you know, when you go into the Gen Z, they're inventing new ways. And so you're waiting for some critical mass of the younger generations to come in to enable us to move beyond sort of its installed base into use and invention of. How much is a generational question in play? When it comes to uh, augmented reality, and this is pretty much true as new use cases in general, um, in that there is a bias towards the, the younger generation. So AR today is mostly used uh, on, on, you know, social networks, social media, be it through, you know, Snap or, or Facebook or in gaming and immersive gaming experiences. Um, so that's one way to, uh, I, 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 you know, create awareness and expectations around what what AR is. And, and then very quickly, well, very quickly, it, it, it depends on countries and, 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 and technologies and so on. But then this kind of usage spreads uh, across generation. And if you look at the more standard use case, there is not necessarily uh, a, a massive difference anymore in the sense that a vast majority of consumers are you know, checking their emails on, on their smartphones and so on. So it's, um, it's, it's, it's mostly starting in dead with the, the younger generation, but it's not exclusively limited to them. So for a long time, Mobile World Congress served as sort of a beacon, not strictly for technology change, just like mobile technologies, but actually societal change, which is how mobile is influencing the way people, humans, society works. Is it still serving that purpose? Is it still there? And does mobile still have that same promise of being transformative? Definitely so. I think it is still the case. It will continue to be the case for at least uh, another five years in the sense that mobile is uh, the Really, the technology that has spread the fastest across the world, we're talking of, uh, you know, 3.5 billion smartphone users across the planet, uh, and it has changed the way uh, consumers, uh, you know, interact with, with their environment. And so the new use cases we're starting to see is when the consumers simply use their, their, their phones to, to connect with the world around them. And here is just at the beginning, there will be a lot lot more innovation in that space with a lot more sensors embedded into these devices. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is definitely the case, uh, and especially in, in, in emerging countries and in, in, in Asia, in Africa, in South America, uh, there are still lots of untapped opportunities with mobile. So mobile still holds a promise, and maybe more as an enabler, as the final destination. It's always been mobile first. And maybe it's something else first, human first, in which mobile is this big enabler, and that still is transformative role. Um, yeah, mobile is definitely a contextual enabler, but I would argue mobile is like electricity in the, in the second industrial revolution. Uh, what I mean by this is that it will enable and unleash a new wave of innovation. And so that, that's why we'll, we'll, we'll still see a lot more innovation in the mobile space and why it matters to continue to, to really go beyond uh, mobile to activate new experiences at scale. Great. Thanks for joining us, Tamar. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And don't forget to leave us a review. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.